Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, my Mm. favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. Join 
the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. California. I'm so excited. It's insane to think this is happening. We're some of the only people in this world that can really date because of this crazy thing called COVID. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. And we are now sitting (laughs) immediately across from one another in Gore HQ. With a plastic partition <laughs> in between us that Pace Case brought with her for tonight's <laughs> proceedings. I brought this large plastic box top that I put <laughs> lodged between our computers to try to recreate the debate between Pence and Kamala. I think this is going to be the same vibe. Exactly the same vibe. <laughs> Instead of arguing about politics, we will be arguing about what the fuck we saw tonight. I don't even know how to describe how I'm feeling right now. I feel like I have been waiting for this moment for 217 days, and it finally arrived, and it was everything I could have hoped for and more. I feel like in the off-season, you and I have not been doing nothing. Yeah, what off-season? You and I have been (laughs) hyper-binging. We've been doing Bachelor shit literally every day, writing a book. We've been sharpening our tools, and now we've been given something to use them on. I feel finally able to do what we've been training for for eight months. We feel just like these guys coming out of quarantine, being like, I'm ready to do my limo exit. I've been practicing this in my head. I haven't had anything else to do. Before we dive into this glorious meal that the Dark Lord has laid before us, we must mention to you that if you listen to your podcast on an app, please listen to ours on the Stitcher app. We are there all week long, featured on their front page, along with some other notable Bachelor Nation podcasts, and it will help us out if you listen to this on their app. And we have one more bit of housekeeping to do. There are going to be some changes with Game of Roses this season, starting with this very episode. We are going to be giving you guys two episodes per week now, Wednesday and Friday. And of course, if that is not enough for you, and we hope it's not, please join (laughs) us. We hope we are not satisfying you with two weekly episodes. Please join us in the pit at our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash Game of Roses. We'll be putting out Two extra episodes per month for anyone who is joining us in the pit there, as well as doing a one-hour live video event every month. And there may be some other morsels deep in the pit that don't get announced that just happen to be there. But you will only find them if you are there with us in the darkest parts of the shadowy cavern in which we now dwell. Some gifts might be cringled down from the skies above down to the bottom of the pit. So join us on Patreon. 
And now it is my great pleasure, Pace Pace, <laughs> to say that we are back in the game. Play is afoot, and we welcome you. To I'm join looking us. at clues through a partition, but I'm pretty sure he's the happiest I've ever seen. <laughs> that is not hard to achieve at this point in human history. But yes, suffice it to say, I am very happy about this. And the show we have planned for you, I think, will be astounding. Please enjoy as much as we did. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. We start this episode with some previews, including a line of this... Wait one second. Before we get right into it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you have more? More appetizers? It's night one. This is the most important statistical week of the game. It's when almost a third of the players are going to get cut. You have to do everything you can on this night to survive. That is the name of the fucking game. Yes, if you can establish a connection, great. If you can do some other things, great. But what you're really trying to do, the only thing you care about... Is avoiding the slaughter. Making it to the next day. So all of these guys know that coming in, and it's under a special circumstance that this season begins. COVID. The first thing we see is a preview of this week and possibly more additional weeks to come with a man yelling at Claire that she's the oldest bachelorette ever. Literally, one of our first frames of this show is a man age-shaming Claire. This is the trauma we tune in for. This is the delectable suffering they have engineered for us. This is the show we watch. It is not about finding love. And we also see that in the same fucking trailer. At the end of it, she's found love with Dale Moss. DLH sits her down and says, well, congratulations. You've blown up the bachelorette. <laughs> so she has done what the show purports itself to be about. She found love. The process worked for her and he shames her for it. He fucking gets in her face and tells her, fuck you. You ruined my little show. It can't keep going like this. And that's the show we're watching. We all have to be okay with that. This is the nature from frame fucking one, just in the trailer of what's to come. We're complicit in this terrible fucking machine. Yeah, They're going to use her age. They're going to use it in a way to show men emotionally abusing her. And they show it over and over again. Back in real time, DLH is introducing us to this very special season. He says we're experiencing an extraordinary time in history, coronavirus, and it has dramatically affected how we fall in love. And he goes on to say that they did everything they could to make La Quinta COVID-free, to lock it down and be safe. So the first thing he's telling us is a straight lie, just a 100% lie. We know he himself left the fucking bubble to take his kid to college. He posted a picture of it on fucking Instagram, and then he came back and made a joke about getting into the bubble. He had to quarantine after that. So they say. According to the comment section on Lauren Zima's Instagram page. So we're being fed straight propaganda. That's the beginning of the show. He's literally lying to us as an audience. And he says, let's look at what we did to make this place COVID-free. And we get the start of a very long introduction to Claire. She's being filmed while she's Zooming with DLH. And he says, we didn't give up on you. I want you to be our bachelorette. 
And Claire gives us our first tears of the season. Is this for real? It is for real. She ends up on Good Morning America, which Clues and I watched at 7 a.m. whenever that was 20 million years ago. It was a different lifetime, certainly a different (laughs) world. And that's what we get to next in this recap package of Claire. We go through her experience of COVID. After the GMA reveal that she is the next Bachelorette, we get some stuff about Juan Pablo, how she's now a strong woman. She walks around the Santa Monica Pier, Uh, draws a heart in the sand. By the way, they totally skip over the fact that she got engaged to Benoit on Winter Games. They only show Juan Pablo and Paradise. That's not part of the story they're telling here. That's not part of the lie they're weaving to us. Ultimately, COVID hits. We get some news footage of the pandemic, and we see footage of Claire quarantining. Overly dramatic score gets rolled in. She's getting bored and baking and giving in-car confessionals. And she brings in the PTC of her mom, who has Alzheimer's and dementia. And because of COVID, she can't see her now. She has to stay away from her. She can't hug her even. Hugs are going to be very important for Claire coming up. Uh, We see Dark Lord Harrison tell Claire, I believe on the GOAT episodes, we're going to start shooting your season of Bachelorette in a few days. And we see her drive her dogs to Palm Springs. She arrives at La Quinta and she says, we're some of the only people who can really date because of this crazy thing called COVID. Oh yeah, this crazy thing that's... Killed a million people and shut down global economies and allowed an authoritarian dictator to take tighter control of the American government. That's a crazy old thing. COVID has killed 216,000 people in the U.S. so far. That's a crazy old thing. (laughs) It's just this crazy thing. I can't believe we can actually date with all these corpses around us. It's so crazy. (laughs) It's just a crazy thing. Uh, She does say that safe and healthy is a priority. They don't say top priority. And she says, at any point, I could have caught this disease and this could be over. What does she mean by this? This life could have been over? Or this experience of being on The Bachelorette? experience. That's the only possible repercussion of her getting COVID. That's what she means in her mind, is that she could have gotten COVID and the whole thing would have been off. They would have had another Bachelorette in there and she wouldn't have gotten to do this. Yes. She is in her room waiting for her test results. And she says, waiting for her test results has been a hard thing to go through. Okay. She keeps looking out the window, as one does when they're waiting for their COVID test results. (laughs) Also, how much waiting is being done? I have to assume they have same-day tests, that they have the rapid response tests. I don't... It doesn't seem like they had the rapid response, because is the rapid response up your nose? I've only done the mouth swab ones, and it's taken like a day or two to get the results. Well, whatever the case, they're certainly selling us this idea that she's quarantined. We get it, guys. You took all the safety precautions, and she's bored, and they had to put her through the ringer. It's, again, just a a packaged piece of propaganda. None of this shit is fucking real. Clues predicted before this episode that DLH would deliver her COVID results on a silver tray, as he often does the Fimpros, but he comes to her door and delivers it in person. He says, you're 100% clear to go, free and clear. All of this is happening tonight. We get a squirrel shot. She walks outside in the sunshine. There's a bunch of shots of birds and bunnies and butterflies. And now she's galloping. We see that galloping shot that we had earlier seen them filming. Thank you, by the way, for mentioning the squirrel shot. I'm glad well, that that made I, that your was, notes. That was one of my bolded notes. Like, has, <laughs> has to make it in the podcast. 
<laughs> I feel like it's important. Well, it really was. It pumped me up when I saw it. it. I was like, shit, <laughs> they're really doing it this season. They did it for you, Clues. Thank you. And that's the end of the Claire and Quarantine segment. She's COVID-free, ready to go. We then get a segment with a bunch of short intros of the guys with handheld cameras, uh, including Dale. We see the guys traveling with masks on. They do an ad for La Quinta when they get there. We see them doing various things in quarantine and getting COVID tested. Now, I thought this segment was extremely interesting in terms of its parasocial implications. What we're watching on television is basically IG Lives or IG Stories or TikTok videos. The videos they're shooting are all from their own phones. They're looking into the fucking lens just like you would see them on their Instagrams. They're basically now using social media as an intro package for these guys. Just taking, I mean, these aren't videos that were taken from their social media, but they might as well have been. They look exactly like them. We've seen them from uh, crown winners before. We've seen Colton do these as he's prepping for his you know, final dates, but we've never seen all of the contestants do these, which I guess is a result of, you know, COVID. And I'm sure these are all scripted. I'm sure the producers give them a list of things they have to answer in these videos. They probably send them like 30 things. Here's what we need you to say. It's great to finally be driving. You can't wait to meet Claire, et cetera, et cetera. They have these talking points so the editors can just cut it all as they need. We see a shot of Easy getting his COVID test from a woman who was my Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. COVID test lady. She was also my Jorge, 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 Jorge. Moreno, bystander of the week. (laughs) I feel like I'm watching this weird apocalyptic TV show right now through this partition. (laughs) It literally seems like you're on your phone. It's just bigger. I don't feel like you're in the same room. It's the shape of an iPhone. It's probably not that scientifically correct. We get a bird shot while Easy is getting his COVID test while he has the thing shoved up his nose. So birds are representing both Claire being COVID free and becoming the bachelorette again. And it's also a COVID test up your nose. And we see a bunch of shots of the guys with watery eyes. I guess they show the COVID test being as painful as possible to make it seem like these guys have been through a lot to meet Claire. But I would think you would want to make COVID tests look like, hey, this is easy. You should get a test if you need one. Let's normalize COVID testing. I think their inclusion of these shots is exactly what you said. This is the price of pain that must be paid to play our beloved game. And I think it also serves the function of, look, we did put these guys through the ringer, just like Claire. Like It was hard for them, just like everybody else. I think they're trying to lay in this idea that we shouldn't hate them too much for being in a luxury resort with all expenses paid, getting to do the thing that they keep hitting again and again. We're the only people in the world who get to find love. They say that a million times throughout this as though somehow this experience grants them the sole privilege of engaging in normal human relationships. (laughs) I mean, in some ways it does. We also saw a thing when Yosef comes into his room. This is one of the only other kind of attitudes about the protocol of COVID that we see. 
He pulls his mask off, throws it on the bed, and says, Glad to take that thing off. Almost, <laughs> I don't know if I'm reading this right or wrong, but to me, there was something a An little... An anti-masker. A little Trumpian something <laughs> in there, yeah. A little something. I mean, I think Yosef has some, uh, some questionable, questionable things that we'll get to. We get a couple little ITMs. Bennett says, I went to Harvard. They call it the H-bomb when you drop that. Very cool. We see Ivan playing chess in his room. Yosef also introduces that he's a package deal, that he's away from his daughter in order to see Claire. Ben says, this shit ain't no problem. He's an ex-army ranger. He can fucking isolate all day long. Easy says, it's just like football training camp. So we get some idea of how these guys are reacting to being quarantined. And then, just as Claire was delivered her negative test by the Dark Lord himself, so too are all the men. And they get to leave their solitary confinement, which you have to remember, when these guys get there, they don't have cell phones. I don't know if they let them watch TV. I don't know if they let them listen to music. If that's the case, imagine being fucking cooped up in one of these goddamn rooms for however long the COVID tests are going on, however long that protocol is. It supposedly was seven days. That was the reporting we had about this. I don't know if that's true or not, but... They all get their COVID test results and they go outside in the sunshine and celebrate. One guy jumps in the pool. And that was about 22 minutes of COVID. And that's the end of COVID in our episode. We'll see it again referenced in a few jokes here and there, but this is it. This is what they plan to do with this episode. Hit COVID head on. Give us a big chunk of it. Here's how it fucked up the casting. Here's how it fucked up the production. Here's what we had to do with all these guys when they got here. We took every safety precaution necessary, and now we're washing our hands of it. Never mention COVID again. Doesn't exist. For the most part, this entire season is going to be a fucking Hannah Sluss Instagram special, just out with no mask, having the time of her life. (laughs) The sluice is loose. In spirit. Then we get the traditional limo exit of The Bachelorette. Claire steps out. She and DLH hug. We can hug again, they exclaim. And they do their traditional inside chat where DLH talks to her about what this journey is going to be like. He says, no one else in the rest of the world is able to fall in love and find love the way you're doing it right here. Claire says, obviously, there's bigger things happening in the world, but this is important to me. She says several times, this is my time. In this conversation with DLH, they bring up Juan Pablo, how long ago that's been. She's not that girl anymore. She's mature, confident. She plays her second PTC of this episode here. She says that when she went on Juan Pablo's season, that she had just gotten out of a really abusive relationship, and this was her reason to get away from him. And then she plays another PTC right after it, talking about her deceased father, who gave her a DVD that she is supposed to watch with the man she eventually winds up with, and she confides to DLA, she still has this fucking DVD. And we've heard talk of this DVD before. It was in Juan Pablo's season. Did she bring it up in Bachelor of Paradise? Must they, have. They must have brought this up a bunch of times. Because so DLH acts like we all know what it is. I'm like, I don't remember this. We haven't done Paradise in the Power Binging yet. It's her icon, though, this DVD. It's a thing that brings back the spirit of her dead father. It's this thing that means finally she has found the person she's going to love. So they're setting this up as a potential trophy a potential prop to be used later this season. 
They spend so much time on Claire's PTCs in this episode. I feel like it is, again, this strategy to make it seem like she's 4TRR, she deserves love. Like, get over the fact that we did this during COVID and kind of risked, you know, health and safety in order to shoot this. Um, And DLH asks, you know, what would your dad be saying to you tonight? And Claire's like, my dad would be so proud. He set an example of a real man and how a real man treats women. And there's a lot of this subtle kind of toxic masculinity talk in this episode. Her saying, like, this is a real man. And later, later, another guy says, like, oh, that's a real man. And it's like, "Mm, okay. DLH says, a real gentleman. And Claire says her dad would be proud of her just for showing up. And we get her second tears of this episode. I haven't given up on love and I never will. Just by showing up, it shows that I still want it and I deserve it. Regardless if I'm 39 or if it's my 500th time, I show up. And she says she wants to get married engaged to the right man. And this is where she expects to do that. She begins to hit very hard the idea that she's going to find this guy in this experience in a way that seems so certain You wonder if she already knows who that guy is. She seems very confident this process is going to work out for her. It's a little strange, but maybe it's just because of her experience. Maybe she is at that age where she just knows exactly what she wants and she's certain she can find it in this group. And then as they rise from their chairs to go out into the front of La Quinta so that she can start meeting the men, DLH whispers a little something to her as they take their first steps outside the room with what I can only describe as audible fucking glee in his throat. DLH says, you're going to crush some hearts. (laughs) That's what he's looking forward to. And ultimately, I think that's why he gets pissed at her for derailing the season, because he knows the juiciest, the tenderest, the tastiest souls are the ones that have suffered through the course of an entire season. He likes seeing the person get dumped at the fucking altar after they've gotten that far. And he's not going to get to see it because she's cutting the season in half. That's why he's pissed at her. The suffering is not as tasty to him. (laughs) To me, this moment reminded me so much of like a coach as a football team is about to leave the locker room, like Friday night lights style going, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Like, we're going to crush some hearts. Like, let the games begin. And Claire loads something interesting here that I can't remember having heard from a lead. She says, I can pick my husband out the second I meet him. What? Oh, that's simply because she's already met him (laughs) in her DMs on Instagram. It's Dale Moss. We already know this. They've been talking for fucking months. She has this entire fucking thing scripted, ready to roll it out. She's essentially trying to pull a fast one on the producers. I think she knows how this is all going to go down. And so she's trying to lay this groundwork of like, uh, nope, look, I'm just warning you now. I'm going to pick somebody immediately. I think I can do it. I don't know who it's going to be. I can fall in love at first sight. That's just me. I'm cute like that. That's the first real inkling we get of it. A first real verbal admission that she is going to just find someone immediately. And that will be that. And then what we get to witness for the rest of this fucking episode is a goddamn performance (laughs) from the gods. (laughs) We'll get to the rest of it, but holy shit, what she does through this episode to maintain this idea that they've never met before. She blows it obviously, but we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to, I'm getting ahead of myself. You're so so ahead of yourself. Oh, 
fuck. We're only at first inkling of her master plan. DOH tells her the guys are in the limos and on their way. And just before he utters the sacred invocation, which he does for all leads, let the journey begin. Just before he says that, he steps in and he tells her the line she told us her father would have said. You win just by showing up. Well, you showed up. He assumes the role of her father in spirit, literally using this man's soul to convey the fucking idea back to her that she said to him in this strange moment of him accepting the role as father of the franchise, now in some way father of Claire, because he does view himself as the father of all of these leads, that he is ushering them through their love journeys. It's so fucking creepy, and I have to say it, I don't know how much longer DLH got in this game. From this line. Not from this line, from the way he's looking. I know it's been a long off season. He's for starting man. to look like your memes of him. He's getting closer and closer. <laughs> I mean, this moment was so wild for me. I was like, Claire literally says, oh, what would my dad say if it was he was here on night one? No, he'd say, hey, you showed up. And DLH is like scrolling in a notepad. So like, what are you writing? Oh, nothing. Then later he's like, well, you showed up. <laughs> That's what I picture happened. <laughs> and then we get to our limo exits. It begins. The dudes get in limo exits from presumably the bungalows 500 feet away. What kind of stats are we looking at for these limo exits? Clues? Here's the limo exits by the numbers. We had 31 players performing limo exits this season, season 16 of The Bachelorette. By far, the most common statistically were the blandies. These are the bland entrances where a player will come out, shake the hand, maybe do a hug, maybe a kiss on the cheek, introduce themselves. I'd like to talk to you more when I go inside. And then they walk in. Nothing more. No pre-planned script, no costume, no extra apparatus. We had 11 of the 31 limo exits were these type blandies. The next most common type were what we call combos. This is where you take two or more types of limo exit and you combine them together. For example, we had two grandy standees. This is a grand entrance combined with a stand-up. We had two standing grand tots. Triple combo. This is a grandy with a stand-up and a tot or trick-or-treat. Where you're wearing a costume. We had two standy tots. The next most common was the It Takes Two, of which we had four. That's a limo exit in which the player conscripts the lead into performing some kind of activity with them. Dale Moss did an It Takes Two. He went up to her and was like, I'm a hugger. And he hugs Claire and he lifts her in the air. Kind of like a half hooju. Okay. Well, we've got our first debate of the season. What? You don't have It Takes Two? No. What did you put that as? I put it as a blandy. What? Dale yeah. Moss would never. Well, I think he did. And I think it didn't he matter. Because he had the cat in the bag. He knows he doesn't have to show off her. But that's not why I called it a blandy. I'm looking at just objective terms here. To me, the It Takes Two requires that the player engage the lead in some kind of an activity. To me, a hug is not that. Even if he lifts her off the ground, she wasn't responsible for any piece of that. He did it all. She was consenting. She was a part of it. A blandy is only a handshake, a hug, or a kiss on the cheek. He picked her up. This demonstrated physical strength, intimacy, his excitement to be there. He's breaking the touch barrier. 
I thought it was a perfect limo exit. It was a, and it takes two that didn't seem forced or kitschy, which a lot of these do. So are all hugs it takes twos in your mind then? No. I just said Blandy <laughs> is a handshake, a hug, or a kiss on the cheek. And this is a lifted hug. Lifted hug is it takes two. Yeah. I can't agree. To me, a hug is just a hug no matter what it is. He got consent for the hug, which I feel like is a big part of it. He was like, I'm a hugger. Let's do this. AJ, for example, came in and twirled her around. She had to participate in that twirl. That, to me, is an it takes two. I would say a twirl is on the same exact level as a lifted hug. Really? Yeah. Physical engagement with consent, but it's not a blandy. A blandy, to me, is only talking, hug, kiss on the cheek, handshake. It doesn't extend past that. This was a prepared thing, and it's different from most of the guys. What about Ben comes up to her? And gets her to do a deep breath with him. Engages her in a moment of guided meditation. He guides it with her. Also when it takes two. To me, there's something about that level of participation that is a little higher than what Dale Moss did. But it's fine. We can move on. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Dale Moss, it takes two. My initial instinct was Blandy, and then I was like, it it takes two. So. Do you think it's bias at all? Knowing what you know about Dale Moss. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here's the thing. If he had lifted her and spun her, that would have been different. Listeners, weigh in with us. Was Dale Moss a Blandy limo exit or was it an it takes two? I like this. We'll let the pit decide. Yeah. We'll put this to the pit. I'll make a poll. But then we had some Kringles. These are gifts given. Yosef's moon pies, for example. We had an exotic aloha. Those are rare. You only usually get one of those per season, sometimes two. In this case, it was Tagalog. Mike did a cute Kringle. He gave her flip-flops, said, I figured your feet would get tired. Very Canadian and thoughtful. But we had some very big limo exits as well, and some interesting ones historically. Riley, for example, came out and performed a standee. He said, as an attorney, it's my job to help the jury find the verdict, and in your case... You'd be found guilty as charged of looking beautiful in that dress. Now, for the common observer, this is, of course, just a funny little joke that he's telling about his job. It's a lawyer joke. But for somebody in the pit, for somebody who knows the history of our fucking beloved game, this is an homage to Erica Ulig, season 16 of The Bachelor. <laughs> she was a law student from Charlottesville, Virginia, who told then-bachelor Ben Flanick, the verdict is in and you are guilty of being sexy. This is the exact same stand-up that we saw back in 2012. We had Jordan M. did a standee. He said, it's hot out here. I know you're hot. I'm burning up. Just in case you're thirsty, I'm a tall drink of water. And he was. Always good to capitalize on your beneficial physical attributes. We had Kenny coming in doing a trick-or-treat in a t-shirt with an image of Claire's own dogs on it, and he throws in a little line at the end saying, I'm not really a suit guy. Jason, a former pro football lineman, 
came in with a tot that was an homage to Claire's tot from Juan Pablo's season where she came in with a fake pregnant belly. He comes in, he says, I remember you walked so elegantly. Now's my turn to show you I'm willing to hold the weight of this relationship and the labor of my love for you. A labor of love call out. Clues called this a toddle recall, which was excellent. Thank you. <laughs> we had back-to-back straight grandies. Tyler C. came in driving a station wagon with a bunch of stuff strapped to the top. This is straight out of National Lampoon's Family Vacation, a reference to the Griswold family, which he references a couple of times throughout the night to the other guys. And then Bennett came in right after him. He's a wealth management consultant from New York City. He comes in driven by a chauffeur in a Rolls Royce wearing a long white scarf. Both of these are vehicular grandies. We've seen things like this in the past. And unless you're really coming in in something unique in a vehicle at this point, it's almost not worth doing. These two grandies turn no heads. They're simply wastes of time and energy by the producers and both of the players. We've seen people come in in a fucking ice cream truck. A grandie that I would say was not a waste of time was Ed, who comes in in a literal bubble. He says, I heard your journey was taking place in a bubble and I wanted to come prepared for you. Mocking the COVID bubble that they're in. This was a grandy standy. It gets shown in all of the previews and it also, they call it back in his mini date with Claire. They play giant bowling where he's in the ball and they hit a bunch of bowling pins. I mean, look, we know what we know now. We all are watching this, knowing the outcome. All of this is just window dressing to the main event to come. And although all the plays we're watching are fucking meaningless, I have to hand it to Ed here. I agree with you. This is one of the best grandies we've seen in terms of generating visually interesting content that the producers are definitely going to put every moment of in the show. Your limo exit's going to be given time. Your mini date where you're doing the bowling pins is going to be given time. And I think to some degree... It even got him a rose this night. They know that this guy is game to do weird, crazy shit. And they probably have some group dates in mind where they're going to be like, okay, this is the guy who's in the giant fucking bowling ball. We'll get him to go do whatever the fuck we want. Play handball in 120 degree heat until he fucking passes out. Like he's game. That's what I got out of this. You're predicting we're going to see Ed playing pickleball. I don't know what's going to happen. And we'll get to that at the end of this where we get our further episode recap yeah we clearly and i were actively arguing this whole episode whether we were going to see the end of claire at the end and i won we didn't see the end of claire i have to say i had some wild predictions at the beginning of the season <laughs> only some have come true i will say that some have mm-hmm. come true certainly not the single episode wedding that i was predicting for claire <laughs> that did not happen but i not mean yet. Fuck, it could have it fucking could have saw a weird white dress in the previews so who knows we'll get there We had two very interesting tots that were also back-to-back. Jay comes in, does a standy tot. He's wearing a fucking full straight jacket. Says he's obviously gone a little crazy in quarantine. I love that. Making fun of people who have poor mental health in quarantine. Very cool. I mean, look, I'll give this guy props. This fucker wore it for the whole goddamn night. I don't know if he had to piss ever, but... They kept cutting back to him, still still trapped. <laughs> I mean, he can't even drink. And then we got Chase and Nick coming in immediately after him, wearing a full suit of night armor, walking right up to Claire and 
taking it all off and saying he's shedding his armor to be vulnerable for her. Sarah Coffin in her Instagram stories was wishing him luck, so it seemed like he might have gotten trained by her. And by the way, this isn't the first suit of armor taught that we've seen. Diogo, during Desiree's bachelorette season, also came in wearing a full suit of armor, although his didn't peel off completely like Chasen. So Chasen's was actually an improvement on that. An evolution of the standard knight armor limo exit Standing Grand Tot. <laughs> Speaking of Standing Grand Tot, the very next player, Damar, comes in. He's wearing a fucking deployed parachute and says, I may have fallen for you already. Now, this could have just been a Standy Tot, but because the parachute was so big it couldn't have fit in the limo, he had to walk up that fucking drive and it gives him the grandy as well. Triple combo, very hard to pull off. Very impressed by this move. Another... Interesting standee that we got was Zach Jackson came in and said, I've never done this before in any relationship, let alone the first date. He gets down on one knee and fake proposes to her with a little ring box prop that doesn't have a ring in it. It actually has a little model of a butt and it makes a fart noise. This is some excellent prop work comedy. When I saw this. All I could wonder is, did he have to make that? Is this something you can buy online? So I looked for it. <laughs> this is something that anyone can purchase on Amazon for $24.99. It is called the Moon Ring. It farts when you open it. Ring box containing farting butt, no ring. I mean, it's definitely not in line with what Claire says she's looking for, a real man. But it was funny, and... They then show him doing it to a bunch of the guys later once they're at at cocktails. I don't know when he made this purchase, how long he's had his moon ring, but there is a review on Amazon.com that says the new ones after March 2018 are much louder. (laughs) Is the writer Zach J. (laughs) He repeatedly buys these moon rings. (laughs) He's keeping this company in business. (laughs) It was very novel. Definitely something we've never seen before. So congrats to him because as we're mentioning, the suit of armor is something we've already seen. Doing some kind of joke about your legal profession and the person being guilty of looking good or whatever. We've already seen. We're we're at that phase where there have been enough seasons that the churn of these limo exits, it's starting to repeat itself. And so this is something we have never fucking seen. Extremely unique. And... Gets all the other guys on his side in the house. When he goes in and starts showing them the farting ring box, they're like, this guy's fucking funny. They love it. Love it. It's, I mean, it's got a better effect on the guys than it does on Claire, but it gets him screen time and he gets a rose. With a pretty high rose rating too. A pretty high rose placement in the rose ceremony. He gets fifth flower. He's rewarded for this. We've covered Dale's limo exit before, but what we didn't talk about when we got into our little argument about whether or not it's a... <laughs> One of our many arguments already. <laughs> the season's going to be fucking crazy. But uh, whether or not his limo exit was an It Takes Two or a Blandy, Claire's reaction to it was unfucking precedented We have never seen a lead ever do this. She has basically a full-blown psychological meltdown she is unable to continue she has to take a moment to compose herself she starts to tear up she's breathing deeply exhaling and she says into the air i think i just met my husband 
we are now expected to believe once again that they have had no communication during the offseason whatsoever. She saw this man it's for- It's love at first sight, Clues. <laughs> Great. I can't even say it without laughing. That's not my problem with this. We know from many things that have come out now, podcasts, books, whatever, that the leads very often form their final decision on night one of who they're going to have make it to the very end. That's a common thing that happens, in fact, in this situation. I'm fine with that. It's her fucking reaction to it is one... Why is she saying this? She's the Bachelorette. She knows she has 10 to 12 episodes, however many they've got the order for this season, to play all of this out. And she's choosing in this moment to continue setting up the story that she's capable of finding someone immediately so that it won't seem weird that she already knows this guy. That's all this is. That's all it can be. It's essentially saying, I'm not picking anyone else because that other person would have to go back and watch this and be like, what the fuck? You said that guy was your husband? She says, everything else went dark around me. She's having like a full-on psychotic break seeing Dale Moss. That comment is also meaning all of the other guys disappeared for her. Yeah, poor Paige. Poor Paige comes right after with a fucking Blandy. I'm super excited to go on this journey. No chance. Tyler S. No journey. Finishes No journey it up. for you. <laughs> Clues, it is springtime. It is the off season. It is gore girl summer. The weather's getting warmer. Thank Dark Lord Palmer. And it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found Quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like Clues, who only wears one outfit. I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. (gasps) I'm a source boy, Quince boy. Let's you got no go. idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. I'm Quinced. <laughs> Just call me Quinced. King Quinces, Okay. they call me. I love Quince. Okay, Quince. Uh, get warm weather ready with Quince. Be a Quince king yourself or Quince queen. Go to Quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I n-c-e dot com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash roses game of roses is sponsored by better help clues uh we all carry around different stressors big and small and if you keep them all bottled up it can affect you negatively Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind, Clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, It has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills. You know, the the whole premise of life is is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake, and therapy can help with that. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online 
It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire, then you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Clues. Mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect T-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect T-shirt does exist. And you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color. And the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite, which is kind of like a blue green. And they're both so comfortable. It's basically like you are wearing nothing. Great for free spirit types. Well, for all the free spirits out there right now, you can shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes XXS through 4X. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Again, that's Skims. Tyler S. finishes it up with a blandy. Yeah. By the way, another unprecedented thing. DLH usually comes out after 15 players have been introduced. He does sort of like a seventh inning stretch where he talks to the bachelor or bachelorette and is like, well, first 15, what do you think? This is usually his only interruption. He interrupts a second time, comes out, says, did you just say that you met your husband? They play this moment up. DLH says, I've been doing this a while, and you're the first person who stood there and said, I found my husband. And for the hardcore fans, his first intermission was not at 15 players this season. It was at 13 for some reason. Is there significance in that number? My theory is that they put less people in the limos because of COVID. We had one really weird moment when Kenny gets out of the limo. He looks like he is spreading hand sanitizer on his hands as he's coming out and i'm wondering like are there people in the limo who are spraying hand sanitizer on their hands right before they come out they have to be i think they're taking every possible precaution yeah because if somebody does get covid and this does shut down it could be disaster for the entire franchise i mean we already saw that a player got covid and had to go home so we have this weird number of players 31 i think in that moment when Dale Moss comes up, it's clear they've been talking to each other for months. We know that. I mean, I don't have conclusive proof, but I know. We don't it. have any proof. Michelle <laughs> Money said it didn't happen, and she is very trustworthy. But I know it to be true. Let me just say that. By the way, we skipped over this in describing their, his limo exit. Claire said, can you believe we're finally here? Which does support your theory. Everything she did support. I, look, it's not a theory. We'll get to what they did in their little one-on-one time, their body language, the actual words they said, all of their actions. These are two people who have known each other for a very long time and have been waiting to meet for an equally long time. That is very clear from everything that fucking happens here. And I think in that moment, 
where Claire is pacing back and forth saying, I think I just met my husband. She's fucking weighing in her mind. Do I end it right here? What are my contractual obligations? I don't like any of these other guys. And DLH has to come out to be like, (laughs) what's going on? Where's my suffering? I need to dine on these (laughs) souls. We finish the limo exits and Claire says, they're such a diverse group of men. Summarizing it all for woke Bachelor Nation. Hey, look, Batch Diversity. It's a diverse group of men. Stop tagging us. And then, as all leads do, Claire enters the inauguration chamber. All of the guys cheer for her. And Zach Johnson is the first responder. He hands her a drink as she walks in. This is a prize roll. Very usually, you can also use it to snatch them immediately and take them off for one-on-one time. The order here gets fucked up a little bit. He gives her her drink, and then she gives her toast. She says, you guys all look amazing. This is such a blessing. I'm so nervous. It's hard coming out of quarantine. Hasn't hugged anyone for months. She woke up feeling this is her last morning. She's saying, I have to do it alone. She delivers her third Third tears of the night. And she says her husband is in this room. And then at the end of her speech, Zach Johnson, who was the first responder to give her that drink, does not waste the opportunity. He knows that this allows him to take her first and he still claims that right as first responder. He is so focused on it that I believe that he listens to this podcast. (laughs) Or at the very least watches the show. Just I don't know how he got to be first responder. Sometimes the producers can give you that honor. I think sometimes you can ask to do it. I think sometimes it's just by the nature of you standing in that right place, the far right of the horseshoe. Whatever the case, the motherfucker knew what it was about. So he's seen it done before. Maybe he does listen to this podcast. Zach, if you're out there right now listening, commendable job, sir. <laughs> it's, being a first responder is statistically the same as getting the FIMP. You've got a one in whatever chance. And he fucking did it and it pays off for him. It's so important, especially you'll see later this night during this cocktail party, not everyone gets time. Some people turtle. Turtling is bad, but in this case, it's a fucking death sentence almost. We see a mini date with Easy. He brings up church and says that he's a mama's boy, that his mom always says, have you been to church and have you met anybody at church? And Claire's like, oh my God, my mom says the exact same thing. Claire plays her PTC of her mom having Alzheimer's and dementia. And they talk about how it makes you value life. She has another set of tears in her ITM. She says, I'm tired of braving this world alone and having to be strong all the damn time. And then we get the Dale Moss mini date. They're by a waterfall. Claire brings up her mom again. She talks about how they have to have this wall between them when she visits her. And Dale here says, my sister has underlying health issues. During COVID, we live in the same city, but I can't see her either. He plays his PTC, and it is a parallel PTC to the PTC that Claire has just played. He also talks about how he's had walls in previous relationships, that he used to be shut down, but he's glad that it's her. He loved her energy on Good Morning America and says that he's an empath, and Claire's like, me too. Claire then loads love level one. She says, I like him in her ITM. A flawless mini date. I have chills from watching it. Even knowing what we know about Dale Moss, knowing that he's going to dominate this season. In many ways, it was like waiting to watch 
an exciting rookie prospect come into their first game in the NBA or the NFL or Major League Baseball, you know that they're touted as being amazing and you can't wait to see them. And then they step up to their first at bat if it's baseball and it's a fucking 450 foot home run. And you're just like, okay, the hype is fucking real. Yeah. It was incredible. The hype is fucking real for Dale Moss. The mirrored mirror. She says, here's my PTC. He says, that's my same PTC. He says, I'm an empath. She says, I'm an empath too. It's mirror in, mirror out. They are the same fucking person. The rapport building that's going on here, if indeed it would have been genuine, (laughs) if they hadn't already known each other for many months, which came across to me crystal clear in this interaction, if this would have been a legitimate play, it would have been astounding beyond belief. It still is. Don't get me wrong. It just takes a little off that I know they've been in daily communication for two and a half years. I don't even know how to respond to that. It was so fucking funny. <laughs> I know for a fucking fact that Claire and Dale Moss met two years ago and this mini date is complete bullshit. I agree. It's it's hard to give him the play of the game here. I mean, we predicted Dale Moss would win based off of his Instagram. He was our front runner from the beginning. He's obviously Claire's front runner. She already said he's my husband right when she met him. So... It was not my play of the game. Nor was it mine. Interesting. I'm curious to see what yours is. I wonder if we have the same one later. We'll see. We'll find out. But I haven't gotten to it yet. But this no. this was a high, high level play, what Dale Moss did here. Even if all he's trying to do is conceal the fact that they already know each other, kind of convincing. I'll give him like convincing enough that I think the home viewing audience will buy that they don't know each other. Yeah, he played a PTC. He played Walls. And it led to Claire loading love level one with him. We get, I guess, our night one curveball. Claire's dog comes out. Her dogs are quarantining with her. Pretty much every season now, we get a night one curveball. And this is something the producers throw in to sort of shake everyone up. An example of this would be season four, Bachelor Bob Guinea. The night one curveball was that his mom was coming in. And she was going to interview all the girls as well. Or Pilot Pete's season. Hannah Brown shows up on night one and all the girls go crazy with anxiety and terror. That's usually what a night one curveball is meant to do is rile people up, get the anxiety through the roof so that you have a couple of players breaking down and hiding in the bathroom crying. I think because the anxiety level is already so high because they're doing this during a pandemic, our night one curveball this season is cute. It's Claire's dog. Her dog comes out. Everyone's playing with the dog. We get one of our more elaborate mini dates With Ben, he has set up this, I don't know what type of a carnival game this is, where you slam something with a hammer and it goes up to different levels. Um, But on his carnival game, the different levels were a group date and then first kiss and then fantasy suites. And he's like, oh, I think yours landed on first kiss. He's got this whole thing planned out. And then we get a series of other one-on-one mini dates with various players doing various things that we've seen Time and time again in the history of the game, we've got Garen Flowers gives her a drawing his niece drew. We've got Mike putting on the shoes that he brought for her. We've got Joe Park engaging her in a game with some kind of origami animals he's made. Ed Wastebrot, as we said earlier, gets back in his bubble and encourages (laughs) 
Claire to roll him like a bowling ball into a set of giant bowling pins. We get the first steal of the night. Chase and Nick steals from Jason. And then we get to halftime. DLH brings out the Fimpros on a gemstone plate. We get Yosef telling Claire about his package deal, that he has a daughter, and he reiterates, I'm here for the right reasons. And then Tyler C. starts talking with some dudes, and he says, I know something. If necessary, I'll play that card to protect Claire. He tells the guys he found out some stuff about Yosef, that he's been reckless on Instagram, flirting with girls from where he's from. He says, Yosef might be 4TWR, here for the wrong reasons. And then Tyler C. decides he's going to confront Yosef right there on night one. And this was my... Error, 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 error of the game. This is traditionally, statistically, the worst night for any player. You do not give the Bachelorette any reason to cut you. She's looking for them based on very little. Again, not even every person talks to her, gets a mini date. He could have stoked this rivalry later in the season if he wanted, if he was like, I want to get some screen time. I'm going to set up this Yosef Tyler C. rivalry. But he does it right now, and it doesn't get him anything. This was also my... Error, 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 error of the game. You never tattle. Never. There is never a benefit in it. Literally never. Let alone on night fucking one. Let alone in the way he did it. If you're going to tattle, you fucking tattle. You don't tell the person you're about to tattle on that you're about to fucking tattle them. You never give them the benefit of of knowing your moves before you make them because Yosef then goes directly to Claire to try to head it off at the pass and it erupts in this big fucking thing where she's like, oh, uh, fucking Tyler C told you that? Great. Let's get him and you both and all witness you both fight it out. And so now he's brought into this in a way that he never meant to be. And again, it's like you're saying too, he could have played this secret information out for so many episodes in a rivalry plot with Yosef, even lording it over him, even fucking just telling some of the other guys, he could have used this information to blow up not only Yosef, but somebody else that he's dripping the honey of this information in their fucking ear. He did none of that. It was reckless. It was just stupid, frankly. It was the worst way to play this secret information that he had. One of the guys he tells it to says, oh, he's handling it like a man. Again, this toxic masculinity lines. Tyler confronts Yosef, says, I don't want her to waste any more time. And Yosef's like, I don't remember that. Tyler has very Jordan Kimball energy when he (laughs) threw that bear into the ocean on Bachelor in Paradise. Yosef calls him Minnie McConaughey. Great move. You know that's getting on screen. (laughs) Yes. Always give people nicknames. Always. Yosef. Then does a move here. He does the second steal of the night from Riley immediately after this. He tells Claire that Tyler C. is dragging his name. And this was my... Play, 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 play of the game. Yosef goes to Claire directly immediately after this is brought up to nip it in the bud. And 
I definitely believe Tyler C that Yosef has been sending girls some weird videos. Why would he make this up? But he never should have gone to Yosef on the slaughter night. And Yosef handles this defensively in the best way possible. And he ends up getting the rose out of this. So Claire ended up ultimately believing him. Yeah, it was definitely a strong play from Yosef. I didn't think he was going to make it through. I thought if he was going to make it through, it would only be as the second half of that rivalry. But as we saw, Tyler C., for all of his efforts, is fucking punished. He gets kicked off that night because Claire's not going to keep that fucking person around. But also, it's the producers are manipulating all this as well. It seems like they have bigger plans for Yosef, and Tyler C. wasn't cutting the mustard. Claire does this pro move of grabbing both of them and asking for answers. Tyler C. talks about the video and says it's him saying, Hi, good morning, beautiful, hope you have a good day. Yosef says they would respond to me, which was a weird part of how he handled that. But he says, I'm for TRR. I'm here for you. I'm setting an example for my daughter. We have just been watching Brad Womack's season, second season, and Michelle Money uses the same thing. She's like, I have a daughter. I'm here for the right reasons. I wouldn't be away from my daughter if it wasn't for a good reason. And Yosef uses almost exactly the same play as Michelle Money here. The child shield is almost impenetrable in terms of any attack you could levy against it. It makes you so for TRR. If you're like, look, I have a child. I have to take everything I'm doing seriously, including being here because it means I'm away from that child. Yeah. This is a big risk for me. So obviously I'm in I have to set TRR. a good example for her. He says, do I have a girlfriend? No. And she says, do you have a girl who thinks she's your girlfriend? He's like, no. Claire's basically asking, is there going to be a skeleton? Is some girl going to show up here and be like, I'm his girlfriend? She quits dealing with this conversation, realizes she hadn't, hasn't talked to a bunch of people. She has a mini date with Blake Moynes. And she blows up his spot. She says, there are weird rules for the show. Not contacting someone. You're not supposed to contact me before the show. And she says, you were the only one and you broke the rule. He DM'd her. And she says that she had been having a hard time at the exact moment that she had gotten the message and that that meant everything to her. Him risking blowing up his own spot coming on the show in order to, what, make her feel better? And this, to me, was one of the greatest pieces of evidence that maybe Dale Moss reached out as well. She's focusing on it being so for TRR. She's like, I can't believe you did that. That's amazing sort of setting up this storyline that, yeah, maybe it is for TRR if it ever comes out that they contacted each other before the show. Blake Moynes, preseason DM to Claire, was my... Play, 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 play of the game. All the things you said, yes. Claire is hammering the point in this conversation that it's okay if you slipped into my DMs and you were definitely the only person who even tried to do it even (laughs) once and I certainly didn't even respond to you. That's all true. Let me get all that out there. She's using his preseason play to set up this false narrative that she talked to no one else and no one else even tried. But as you're saying, face case, it was a great gesture and I loved it. He's rewarded with the first First fucking fucking kiss kiss of the season and first fucking flower. 
He gets the first fucking flower in the rose ceremony out of, it was a huge rose ceremony out of fucking 22 people. He gets first flower. The only flower in the game on this night that's better is the fimp. This to me, outstanding. And it really proves that if you're in this fucking game and you have any ability to be doing preseason play that may affect something within game, you have to be fucking doing it. Even fucking Tyler C. I'm what? sorry, we're giving plays of the week for preseason plays? Hmm. Well, I'm giving his conversation the play of the game, but that preseason set this up. Mm. It's okay. a, in my mind, this is the fruition of a play that started whenever he fucking DM'd her months ago. <laughs> Clues at this, during this conversation said, this entire show is a piece of Trump propaganda. Oh, everything we're watching is scripted in one way or another. I don't think the producers are scripting what Claire's saying. I think Claire's had months to think about how she's going to hide the fact that she's been talking to Dale Moss. And we're now seeing all the plans she's laid over the past few months coming out. Oh, I'll compliment this guy who DM'd me, but I'll use that to say, I didn't talk to anybody else. This is all part of her plan. Right after that, they edited it like Claire is maybe going to give the first impression rose to Blake. But we're not stupid. We know who's getting the fimp. It's Dale Moss. Claire gives it to him. She says, did we do it? And then possibly either I've been waiting for this or we've been waiting for this. We can't exactly tell what this piece of dialogue is. But Dale says, oh, I'm so nervous when they're like playing around like, are they going to kiss? And then he says, I'm not nervous. And they kiss. And then Dale goes, woo. Second kiss for Dale. She's buried the lead by kissing Blake first. Do you want to say anything about that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. If you haven't watched this conversation that she has with Dale Moss after delivering him the fimp at least 15 times, you have more work to do. <laughs> there are things to examine in this that I'll be thinking about for the rest of my life. And it all starts with when they first saw each other after his limo exit, it starts in their expression, in the look in their fucking eyes. You can see on her face. You can see the smile as soon as he gets out of the limo. It's huge. This is not the first time she's seen this guy or talked to him. It's the first time she's seeing him in person. That's all over her face. She's been waiting to see him for them to actually be oh, in so the same place. so you don't place. think they've actually met up? No. Oh. I don't. Okay. Yeah, I definitely believe they've been DMing. But heavily. I, I thought you were arguing that they were seeing each other. No, I don't believe they saw each other in real life, but I think they have been talking to each other daily for many months. Oh, right. I think all of the initial small talk, the what do you want out of life, all of that shit covered. I think they've even gotten to all the deep shit. I think many of the conversations we're going to have them see over the course of the season, however long that's going to last, are going to be rehashes for them. It's going to be all acting because they're going to have to build those steps of initial engagement in a relationship that they've already done online. They're just going to yeah. have to rehab these conversations. And I think this moment for them, they know it's going to be the fucking kiss. He gets the fimp, of course. The look in her face when she says, again, we can't quite make it out. It's either we've been waiting for this or I've been waiting for this or been waiting for this. I don't know. Either way. He's been in those DMs. Absolutely. And they've talked about this moment. What's it going to be like to kiss you? I'm going to give you the first impression, Rose. All this is laid out. And we see in this moment, she goes in for a kiss. He kind of sidesteps it. He turns the cheek a little bit. So she has to kiss him on the cheek, but her hands are fully around the back of his head. She's clinging to this man. She already loves him. 
This isn't a, a feeling out kiss. This is not a first kiss. I mean, it is technically, but not emotionally. She's in it all the way, and he doesn't know exactly what to do. She sent him kiss emojis before. Exactly. They've <laughs> kissed in emoji form many times. They probably fucked in emoji uh. form. But he doesn't know exactly what to do because he knows he can't reveal that he's the same. And he can tell she's coming in a little too hot. So he fucking cocks it to the side a little bit. She kisses him on the cheek. He backs up and he starts saying, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. Nervous to be exposed. Not nervous <laughs> for this fucking moment. And she says, we've been waiting for this. And he goes, should we do it? And she's like, yeah. They go in and they have a fucking kiss. That is a kiss of finally the wait is over. Not, I hope we have physical chemistry. It's holy fuck. This is incredible. These people know each other. They have fallen in love before the show. Everything we're watching is a lie. Except these little moments we can peel out of these conversations they're having where we can see through to the actual emotion. That, to me, is the realest shit I've ever seen on TV. The look in Claire's eyes for that fucking guy seems mm-hmm. real as fuck She's on the borderline of tears every time she looks in his eyes. I've never seen something like that in Bachelor. And... As produced as this is, and as fake as it all is, because all of it's a lie. Everything from the COVID tests to them not knowing each other, there are these pieces of it that, that are more real was than actually anything. Actually, a fart machine. I just am astounded by the fact that it's incredibly fake, top to bottom. But there are these pieces of it that are more real than anything I've seen in the show ever. I mean, we're watching a true love story, which all started with that. It takes two limo exit. I maintain a blandy. Pitt, please provide an answer to this. Uh, And then we get to the rose ceremony. Claire apologizes for everyone not getting mini dates, that her only interaction with them will be their limo exits. It doesn't matter that that these guys were turtling. They didn't have a chance anyway. The straight jacket man, Jay, is still wrapped up, and Blake Moines gets first flower. Kenny describes this moment in an ITM as, I'm literally just holding onto the dog shirt right now. That's where I'm at. He's basically saying, my tot, I'm hoping my tot gets me through to the next round because he didn't get a mini date. He does get a rose. Yeah. With decent placement, 13th out of 22. Tyler C. is executed. And this is the price you pay for making the biggest error on night one. Night one really is a night where you just cannot misstep. It's too easy to get rid of so many fucking people. You have to do something to stand out, but not too much. And in this case, Tyler just gave her an easy reason. Another error was AJ Yalawan crushing Claire's hand when he shook her hand. We end the rose ceremony with 23 men advancing to the next round. Of course, we know the outcome. And this is all for show. This week, Dale Moss was my MMMVP. We picked up Claire demonstrating physical strength. It was an intimate moment. He shows that he's excited to be there. They're breaking the touch barrier for the first time, presumably. Um... He executed a flawless mini date playing his sister PTC, which was an exact same familial pre-existing health condition slash COVID PTC as Claire's mom. 
He talks about having walls before in relationships. He got the fimp. He got the second real kiss. Literally couldn't have done anything better. Got the first bachelorette in history to say, I think I just met my husband. Although that was probably some strong preseason play factoring in. Delmas was also my M M M M V P The shit he did in the preseason won the game for him already before he stepped fucking foot on the field. None of these other jokers, this fucking guy, Blake Moynes, I'll send her a DM. She didn't answer it. <laughs> Great. You fucked up. And none of these players could have known this. I'm not faulting them. Like, they're, they're playing a standard game. Dale Moss is playing some fucking next level shit. This is 2020 Bachelorette, motherfucker. You can't just walk in there on a night one, do a Blandy and expect some shit. You got to put in hard work. He's fucking doing it. Everything you said. Fimp, first real kiss, if you want to call it that. Second real kiss, whatever. The fucking limo exit. Yeah, it was a blandy. I know there's conjecture. I know we have arguments about this. I'm saying it's a blandy, but it was a good blandy. It was a threshold blandy, you know, right up to the mm-hmm. edge. Um, so he doesn't appear ostentatious. He doesn't appear like he's trying to get screen time. He's just there to meet her, but he takes her right to the edge of like, oh, it's the most exciting blandy you can do. <laughs> I just don't think we're going to see... Also, part of his preseason play is having literally the perfect Instagram, which is not that it traditionally factors into the Bachelor or Bachelorette's decision-making, but it factors into your all of the rest of the play for your season, how well you're going to do on Instagram. As soon as you know this season got fucked by COVID, you should be on your Instagram making it the most appealing thing you can for Claire. None of these other guys did this. And if you looked at their Instagrams preseason, I don't know what any of them look like now. I'm sure they're all drastically changing as the show's coming out and they're getting more followers and whatever. Dale's was perfect. That's why we predicted he would be the winner of the season before we even knew he was actually cast. It was just when we got a big list from Reality Steve of guys who could potentially be on the show. We looked at about 15 of them that were not private at the time and predicted Dale Moss would win the whole thing. We didn't know he would win it this fucking handily. Yeah. But... It's going to be very hard to watch this season and not see him as the MVP, I think, every episode because we know the outcome. And I wanted to ask you this. This is the first season I've ever watched that's truly spoiled like this. I don't know what happens after Tasha comes in in terms of yeah. who wins. But I, By the way, no one tell us. We want to remain spoiler-free. Please don't DM spoilers to us. We beg you. And I'm assuming that your question is going to be, how do I feel watching it spoiled? Yes. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't either. It doesn't allow me to evaluate the play in the same way. I mean, we can sort of tell plays like, oh, Blake ends up getting first flower. So that was a good play that he did. But knowing that she's going to end the season for him, it makes all other plays seem sort of insignificant. And I'm also, you know, maybe waiting Dale's plays differently. I maybe would have given him a Blandy in a normal situation, but I'm like, no, he wouldn't do a Blandy. He's Dale Moss. It's an it takes two. Yeah, I really don't like it. I don't know how we're going to avoid spoilers. I I mean, I guess I can try to initiate shadow protocol, but that is a lot of work for a long time. 
I think it'll be easier for us to avoid spoilers because we're back, hopefully, into the same production cycle that we used to be in. There's not eight months where we're like literally looking at the fucking internet every day for bachelor shit. Yeah. I don't think we'll necessarily hit the same waters. I think this is a very special season in terms of how many spoilers were released and in terms of the actual things spoiled. Like this is a huge event that I don't know. Do you wish I had not told you? I would have found out. There's no way this would not have been known to me. So no, I thank you for telling me. Yeah, I looked at, I just looked up like Claire Bachelorette and it's like the first thing why she leaves for him. Right. Those are all the headlines. Um, You don't like watching it spoiled. No, I hate it. Yeah. For the exact same reasons you're saying. These plays are meaningless to me. Had I not known this, I'm trying to put myself in the frame of mind like if I would have watched this clean, not known anything about Dale Moss, not known that they talked before that she ends the season for him. How crazy would it have been for her to be like, I just met my husband and then all the fimp and all the things they did. I probably would have given him play of the game for that mini date PTC. I don't know how I would have fucking reacted. Seeing the footage now, having thought that they didn't know each other, they would have seemed like lunatics. (laughs) I think it, I don't know what my reaction would have been had I not known this shit. Objectively speaking, that footage is insane (laughs) but knowing that they knew each other it makes much more sense but at any rate yes any of the good play that's happening i just don't care about it yeah unfortunately what i'm really watching for now is the smugness of dark lord harrison and to see how the producers are going to create whatever this is that's like the main thing that i'm interested in because i don't now know that that is still a curiosity to me i feel like from the previews and the quantity of Claire outfits, I feel like we have at least two more episodes of this. I agree. So Tasha is going to get a truncated season. She will get shafted here. And that's just what they're doing. Will she? Or will they extend production, do more episodes? I don't think they could have done that. I think their production and their airing dates and stuff are all set. Tasha's going to start with less guys, you think? Maybe. I'm also looking for this, because this is not spoiled to me. I think one guy is going to get super fucked over by Claire and super fucked over by Tasha, And that guy is going to be in strong contention for a bachelor at some point down the line. It's going to be the same person. Yeah. I think Tasha definitely gets to pick through Claire's leftovers. Who would you predict? Maybe Blake Moines. He can't be bachelor. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know then. I don't think Blake has... I don't think Blake has what it takes. Fair enough. I could, I mean, he has what it takes to get fucked over by Claire for sure. Yeah. But I don't know. They're, I mean, they're setting up Ben. Ben was first out of the limo. At, at, on limo exits, I was like, oh, maybe Jordan M will end up with Tasha, but they didn't show him at all. So yeah, time will tell. I'm, as I said, I'm just curious about that, how they're going to cobble this shit together. And I'm looking forward to the smugness of Dark Lord Harrison and how he eventually treats Claire for doing exactly what the show supposedly is about, finding the love of your life. He's going to shit on her for doing that. He was promised crushed souls. He was promised human tears. You're watching for DLH at this point. Interesting. At this point? (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. You did tell me that he was the person who you watched every single thing that they did on social media you saw the most of his posts of any person i look at everyone well 
that does it. We made it through night one. We're here in person with one another, separated by a plastic partition, to bring you our next level coverage of this game. Do you feel, after having hyper-binged 16 seasons now, that your skills as a commentator on our beloved game are sharper? Absolutely. I feel like we knew exactly how night one divided up because we've been doing the notes over and over again. I'm like, okay, we get this many intros. We didn't get actual intro packages, by the way, this time. We had more of a COVID montage. But generally, you get six to ten intro packages for each season. Where they send a camera crew to the person's hometown. You see their job, their family, their pets, you know, kind of what their life is like wherever they're from. You see people with PTCs to watch, etc. And I think part of the reason we don't get that is because it is this truncated season and they don't really want us to get to know the people besides Dale Moss. I would say you gave a metaphor to me earlier, which I did not understand, but it was Zelda, you start with a wooden sword and then eventually you get, you know, a sharpened special (laughs) sword or something. And I would say I definitely... (laughs) I definitely relate to that. I feel like the way that we're analyzing it at this point is like, we know exactly every single thing that happens in every segment of this game. And we're able to recognize what the really good plays are. And it's a predictable pattern. I completely agree. I don't even really see the show anymore. I just see the fucking plays, the data, the matrix behind it. And I do think it's very fucking interesting to be watching this weird season through this new lens that we have built in the process of our hyper binging and stuff. And you know what? It was a very entertaining episode, I gotta say. Claire played more PTCs than any Bachelor Bachelorette that I can remember. She had her deceased father and the DVD that he made for her. She has her mom who's struggling with Alzheimer's and dementia and she can't see because of COVID, adding another layer to that. She brings back a PTC from when she was in the game with Juan Pablo and how she had just gotten out of an abusive relationship. And she really like plays this part of like, I want the women of America to believe and really root for me to find love. And I think they set that up as well as they can, as they could. Because to be honest, it's like, yeah, you are risking people's health and safety in order to shoot this. There's not zero risk. They can't make a completely sealable bubble. So they did have to like get us on their side in order to have this season. A season which we are proud to present you. Every week, we are going to be doing this exact episode where we break down all the plays, all the best players, all the errors, the Jorge Moreno bystanders of the week. We're doing that on Wednesdays for you, the day after the episode airs. And then please be sure to tune back in on Friday because Friday is going to have our State of the World, our Bachelor Nation News, our Parasocial Play of the Week, our Screams from the Pit. And we're going to be doing something a little new where we're going to give you the Instagram ups and downs of all the players from this season that have occurred over the past two days since the airing of the show, as well as the ratings for the show. We want to chart those throughout the course of the season so that we can see how the show is doing and how these players are being affected by their play within the game. And we're also going to have a very special Screams from the Pit this season. 
we have our first sponsored screams, which are screams from the pit are going to be sponsored by Relationship Hero. And you're going to see a very interesting way that we do that. Relationship Hero is an online service that you can go to to get a relationship coach for any kind of problems you may be having in your relationship. Or if you just want to improve whatever relationship you're in with someone, you can go there, get one of their coaches to do an online session with you. And we are going to have one of those coaches with us in the pit to help us with our problematic relationship with a little TV show called The Bachelor. Oh my God. <laughs> our first spawn con, it's going to still be fucking weird. <laughs> I don't even know what's going to happen getting somebody else in the pit like that to look at our psychosis objectively. It may be sobering. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, thank you guys so much for joining us on what was an historic night one. The story to take away from it, obviously, is Dale Moss, his incredible dominance, which we know will continue for the next three to five episodes until he breaks the game forcing Bachelorette Claire Crawley to walk away with him before it's all over. Thank you, as always, for all the tidbits you're sending us. Those are fantastic. We love them. We sustain ourselves on them at the bottom of the pit. The pit provides. Please keep sending those. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon yet, definitely do that. Patreon.com forward slash Game of Roses. There's going to be some things happening in the pit soon that you might want to be around for. As we mentioned, there's going to be two episodes every month that you can only get on Patreon. There's definitely going to be a live video event. There might be some other things. You might be cringled with some interesting new content. You just never know when you're in the pit what you're going to find. And as always, before we go, what's the dwab at? It has been 6,778 days without a Black Bachelor. Praise be Lord Harrison. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines, and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix, just play into the algorithm 
my algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want a wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing What's in the box? on every order. <laughs> Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe. Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things and I need an easy install. And this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in... um body problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, Mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back, no questions asked. You get the... Tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. 